This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. They were teasing this movie in a way that made it seem like a heist. Providing insight. His dance is just excellent. So graceful. Commentary. They shot it all on a green screen. You can't do a pickup. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. And now, Gutterball. It's gonna be a disaster. Whatever. I don't. I don't no. care. Whatever. I don't. I don't think so. You gotta turn that frown upside down. Okay. Well, I am like swinging from my like C stand, my two C stands that are connected, a la Michael Keaton in 1989 in the original Batman, when Kim Basinger like <laughs> comes into the room and sees him <laughs> like hanging upside down, swinging like a bat. And she doesn't, like, back slowly out of the room and never come back? What are you doing? <laughs> like, what the... What is her problem? Do you remember that? I I do, I believe. Was that early on? It was pretty early on. Yeah. It's one of the only movies I've ever seen twice in the theater. Is it possible uh. it's the only movie I've seen twice? We should start. Let's start. Yeah, okay. I think we've already started. Well, we're just going to have to figure it out then. So that's possibly the weirdest start to this thing that we've ever done. Which is pretty, conceptually, that's pretty impressive. Yes. So you're saying Batman is the only movie you've seen more than once in the theater. I'm trying to really think about it. Have I seen any other movie twice in the theater? I mean, I know I've seen Batman. The Michael Keaton Batman twice, but any other one? I mean, I don't like to see movies in the theater, generally speaking. I like to think about seeing them. I make a big show about, well, you got that's the kind of movie you gotta see. Uh, it's, I'm my Richard Nixon here. You gotta see that movie in the theater. But then I don't really do it that much. I I may not do it that much, but I love it. When I go see a movie in the theater, I'm like, I'm going to go. I should go see a movie every weekend. Even if there's nothing good, I should just go see it. See a movie. Why, in the though? Why? Just to keep that magic alive or something? There's something about it. Yeah. Hmm. Like, or movies that, like, it doesn't have to. I shouldn't say. Yeah, even if there's nothing good, I'll even say that, right? But, I mean, the first level is even if it's not. So, what movies do I go see in the theater? I tend to go see Hollywood blockbusters, and occasionally, very rarely, there's some non-Hollywood special effects superhero slash sci-fi thing that I'll see in a theater. I fail to see the difference between the two. But. Wait. No. Seriously. How do you, how do you, like, delineate between those two? Between two what? Hollywood blockbusters and like sci-fi. No, that's what I'm lots saying. Lots of explosions. I was, I was clarifying, right? Those types of blockbusters, those types of things are what I see. Okay, well, no. Like, I, occasionally, what? I'll see something that's not that. Oh, okay. Like a PTA shit. Yeah, something like okay. that. Like I did see the master in the theater. Or yeah. a Coen Brothers thing, right? Mm-hmm, right exactly. Right. Sure, 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 sure. But I've been... Um, David Lynch, if that shit was... If he ever made a movie again yeah. in his life... Of I did course. see Inland Empire in the theater. Oh, I didn't. Oh, you. Did, did we ever talk about this? I'm pretty sure we did. Oh, my God. 
he showed that in my town and he was there with a Q&A after the movie. And I found out the day after. Ugh. That's pain. That's pain. That movie definitely tested my patience, though. Oh, yes. In, in, in the theater? Like, at home, you can pause it and take a break. I, uh, I fell We're asleep. We're majorly re- retreading this. I know we talked about I don't this. care. I fell and asleep. I talked about the weird crowd that was there that, like, stood up and applauded at the end. At like, this point, bravo, who gives sir, a shit? Keeping cinema alive for the masters. Thank you. <laughs> Did you see it in Poland? <laughs> no, I saw it right here in uh, State College, Central PA. Right here on videotape. Yep. Jesus. Come on. Let's get on. Ah. Anyway. But- yes. Blockbusters. I saw Interstellar today. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Blew me away. Yeah, so good. Can't really talk about it. Nope, can't talk about it. Have to give it a good couple weeks statute of limitations because I don't want to spoil it. It's we're not gonna. It's gonna be longer than that. But but uh, it was good. Yeah, good though. I even had the little dingers against it. Like try as I might, people. I mean, there's lots of things you can ding it for that, but it doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. You know, I just don't care. You can ding any movie. Pick yes. the best movie in the world. You can ding the fuck out of it, right? That's all I do to this movie, Big Lebowski, is I ding the fuck out of it all the time. Why? I'm that much of an asshole. I, I just have to point out the faults and how they're getting it wrong. That's all I've written down for the show notes for this episode. Oh, look what they did wrong all Maybe over the gotta, place. you you know, start focusing on the positivity here. Maybe. Maybe so. Maybe so. I just, it's not about pointing out like how they're shitty. It's just like how difficult it is to make a right. movie and how you don't notice any of it. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I point it out. Well, I think the importance is you don't notice any of it. Right. Right. So don't let it stop you from making a movie. Well, it's not going to. Good. Good. That's what I want to hear. Let's start writing one right now. Okay. Give me a, uh, uh, like a log line. 25 words or less, a movie I'm going to make. A really tall guy is in his basement with podcasting gear talking about a strange cult classic film. Something like uh, The Great Lamborghini. 30, 31. Which will obviously be an analog for The Big Lebowski. I think that that's more than 25 words. Well. What's the conflict, though, Brad? What, What does that... Hero or anti-hero have to overcome. He needs to overcome his uh, his lack of faith in himself to deliver an entertaining podcast <laughs> and an entertaining and informative <laughs> and valuable podcast to the masses. You know what I'll say to our credit is that I think that it's informative. It may not be entertaining at all, but I think that we do see some things. I would say... What? An average of three things every two episodes. Yeah, 1.5 things per episode. Yep, exactly. I sent you that IMDB, which I swear was not that robust, uh, even a year ago. Trivia, you know, for Big Lebowski. I'm seeing shit on there that we uncovered, Bradley. Well, our listeners are listening, and then they're going to IMDB. I hope so. I hope that we have... filling it out. You know... 
We're we are, we're moving the needle when it comes to Big Lebowski trivia on the internet. We've fleshed out the universe a little bit. We've sort of filled it out. It's a little plumper these days. So you haven't seen any movie twice other than Batman. I've seen a shitload of movies more than once. That, I mean, I no, 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 no. Yes, I have seen many, many movies twice. Lost I mean, Highway in the theater. In the theater, Lost Highway. Because why? Because we could go and like reel that shit up anytime we felt like it. So right. I probably saw that ten times. Um, also, uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. We would roll that shit up. Oh, yeah. My brother go and, like, thread it through the projector and, like, okay, it's midnight on a Tuesday. What are we supposed to do now? Well, let's go down to the theater and watch Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Fuck yes. But I guess, like, the differentiator here is, like, have I paid to see a movie twice in the theater? So cost is the big issue for you? Well, it's not cost. It's just, like... You know, when you got nothing better to do and you have access to a theater where you can grab the big reels of film and thread them through the... Just do it anytime you feel like it. Does that count? Because that's kind of like watching... I'm going to say that doesn't count. It's a whole other thing. It's a whole other thing. It's a whole other tier. It is. It is, right? This is like, okay... I am going to do a thing, I'm going to spend my time and my money to go out and experience this thing again because I loved it so much. It may have only been Batman with Michael Keaton. Not even Avatar, Adam? Now, I saw that twice, but I think the second time I saw it, I watched it at home. Titanic? Nope. Nope. Don't get me wrong, I'm not proud of it. Not something I like put on I mean, my... I think that's, that's generally... I mean, I think most people are in your boat. I'm the freak that goes to see movies multiple times, but that's... Well, like, I don't think. I don't. A lot of people go, it's like, I love that so much. I'm going to go see it. Like, a lot of... And I say that. It's like, I love that movie. Like, Boogie Nights. Like Why wouldn't movie... I go see that again? You know? Yeah. <laughs> the Matrix. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't see that twice? Come on. Oh, shit. I forgot about the Matrix. That was mind-boggling when you I saw, saw that. I saw that a lot. But that was also You probably that saw that four time times. I could kind of go see it at any time. Well, yeah, you'd, like, you know, rub... Like not the, a midnight showing, but just kind of no, walk into any... Just kind of rub the side of your forehead a little bit? Yeah. Well, and it was like, I went and saw that on my own, on opening day. Just by yourself. How sad. Well, it wasn't by myself. I mean, it was it was, again, one of these like inside theater jobs. Did you have your accordion with you? You know, it was Friday. The movie, (laughs) the movie, you know, it was Friday opening night. Seven o'clock is the first show. Delayed reaction there. And at like 3 p.m. It was like, okay, we're going to show this for, you know, people that work in the theater and very close friends can come and, and check this out right now. Peter Frank, thank you, Jesus. And I was like, and the funny thing with The Matrix was, I didn't really know what it was at the time. I remember it had like the freaky commercials. I had no idea. I had. That were totally inscrutable, which worked so well. Because I went to see the movie. I wasn't necessarily like, oh, this is going to be the big movie of the year. I mean, maybe there were film buffs on the internet. There was a lot of buzz about it. I was just kind of like, mm, Matrix. 
I'm not sure what this is. I saw the commercial with the weird stuff in it, the weird inscrutable images. It's like, all right, I'll go see this. Everyone's going to see it. I'll go see it. Holy shit. I had no idea. My brain was going to be blown out that day completely. So I was trying to woo this uh, chick back in the day. She had this little weird little haircut. Kind of like came down as like an angle cut in the back. It was like almost pink hair. And it's hard to tell what the first date was, but I'm, I'm like, let's go see a movie. I can get us into free movies. And so I took her to this movie and I had no clue what it was. I don't even think we didn't have television. I don't think necessarily in our home where my brother and I lived. So we would basically watch like we had VHS tapes and a VCR. So we would put in like old reruns of like burn surgery from the discovery channel or like recorded uh, music videos from MTV, like Chris Cunningham, is that his name? Mm-hmm, like, come to mm-hmm. come to daddy. Yeah, you know, Apex with the, Twin. Yeah, Apex Twin, that shit. And, um, you know, some, you know, three Marlenas and one headlight shit, and some semi-sonic closing time, and maybe some Radiohead uh, creep. That kind of, with it, light the car on fire. Uh, I'm afraid of Americans, you know, Trent Reznor, David Bowie. So we would just watch those. We had like like 12 you, programs. And right, by you program, had about 12 hours of television on VHS tape that you watched, just watched in a constant loop. It's a little liberal. I, it was probably more like seven hours. And okay. We would just watch okay. it over and over. And then when we got tired of that, we'd, we would watch Jacob's Ladder, which can come in handy sometimes and not so handy other times. But so the long and short of it is I had never heard of this movie, but this chick I was taken to the movie had this like unhealthy obsession with Keanu Reeves for like, like the past seven years or something. She was a little older than me. So I don't know. So from like right. 92 to 99, she's just unhealthily obsessed with Keanu Reeves. Like just so hot. And like she would sit out on her porch or in a room looking out the window in Western Pennsylvania, just imagining that maybe, maybe Keanu's in town to promote a film or maybe he's going to perform on an off Broadway traveling show in Pittsburgh (laughs) and that he would get lost and drive by her home. And then she would have to show him how to have a better life. And maybe that involved her being in his life. So she really wanted to see the matrix. And I was like, fucking a i can get you in there for free let's just go right now because you know i was tight with those movie theater people yeah we were in the we were in the scene we were in the scene so anyway that's how i saw the matrix did this um it's my wife it's my wife eventually become i was gonna say okay yes it's leslie yes hi leslie (laughs) i don't think she has an unhealthy her with pink hair 
Well, ask Camille about it. Not right. Camilo, mind you. Just ask Camille about it. All right. Next time you see her. I mean, I'm not doubting it or anything. I'm just saying. It was just dyed. It was a little uh, reddish, pinkish. Okay. Well, reddish and pinkish are kind of different in my mind. Well, okay. All right. You're doing a lot of um, leaving and joining of this group chat here. Can we stop this? It's distracting me. Me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the chat in the Google Doc. Doesn't matter. Let's move on, please. Yeah. Well, let's For go God's on. sake. I closed that thing long ago. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, well, so I saw The Matrix. You did? Yes. And oh. then I had to take everyone else I knew to it. I would be like... <laughs> You know, we'd, I'd be hanging out with someone. I'd be like, oh, you didn't see The Matrix? It's so awesome. You have to see it. Come on. We can go right now. We can just go in anytime. I can get you. Let's go. And so, like, I ended up seeing that. I don't know how many times. A bunch of times. Because I'd always be like, oh, let's go see it. Probably four, right? Like, some, somewhere around there. Somewhere around that's probably the right amount. Yeah. Hmm. That's a lot of times. Star Wars Episode One. Oh... I saw multiple times. I saw the first time, and Phantom I was like, "Phantom Menace." You're like, "Phantom Menace." That can't be as shitty as I think exactly. it is. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. It was like, "All right, I, I was." Just I'm an asshole, like, right? I expected too much out of it. Let's I just went go, into it. right? But the thing is, even if you expected too much out of it, that's what I was like. Well, maybe I just expected too much. I was so hyped up for a new Star Wars. Now that I kind of have my expectation, let me set it again and reevaluate it. And, you know, I may have even seen it a third time because, again, it was the whole, like, you can get in for free type phenomenon, you know? Right. And this was a movie worthy of so much study, I felt. Sure. Yeah. Um, That's what we thought at the time. But every time I saw it, it was just like, no, that's actually worse. It kept getting worse. It kept getting more. I watched it. It was like, yeah, this this is actually really bad. This is worse than I thought. Yeah. Which is the antithesis to Lebowski. Exactly. Which gets yeah, better totally. every time you fucking watch every it. Time. I was just watching some of, the, of it right now, like getting ready, watching this minute, <sighs> and I let it play a little further just to so help myself. And I was just howling with joy and laughter. <laughs> it's so spectacular, this movie and this scene. You should I craft mean, a song scenes. based around an accordion riff with your laughter howling. I did. Like a Lebowski. Oh, good. Please record it and put it in the show notes. Will do. Okay. I've gotten requests for that. I just want to let you know. You got requests for me to, with the accordion? Yes. Well, the accordion is at my parents' house because it's not mine. It's my dad's. Well, you although might I'll tell you what. I'll take the uh, Tascam, although I probably will not remember to do that. I'll use the iPhone. I'll make a little accordion video. Now, how guys. how often is your dad gonna play the accordion? Can he let you take it on a little uh, hiatus? He probably could, but you're not know. comfortable with that. I, I I don't need to do that. Okay, you're, I can, but you'll I can go there. Use my accordion, my latest accordion master performance there next we, time I'm there. We need some '90s grunge rock on that shit. All right, all righty, let's do it. Yes, I I doubt that you will. So you wanted a movie idea? There it is. <laughs> But what's the man travels to his parents' house, returns home after a long time. That's the so there's the so right there, that voyage, right? There's all sorts of obstacles and things to overcome. So it's a journey. It's a journey. Okay. Once he gets there, and also, but it's you know, it's again, it's a journey. 
physical journey, physical obstacles, but really, it's an emotional journey. journey. Is inside his mind, sure, right, without a doubt. (laughs) It's like gravity without space, (laughs) or or any action whatsoever. Time without mass. (laughs) That's hilarious to you. Okay, Mr. Like Ideal in uh, Like Three dimensions all the time I'm not laughing At you, man I'm laughing with you All your dimensions All three of them It just struck me Well, well, you know It really came in handy Your Planck time You and your Planck seconds And your Planck moments and your tesseract. Uh, there's tesseracts, which is a four dimensional cube. Well, in case you didn't know, but it was fifth dimensional beings accessing the four dimensional space just to make it somewhat accessible to us three dimensional beings. So, even though we are four dimensional, I, I don't. Let's not. Come on, we can't. We can't do it. We can't no, get we into can't. all that. So, so how about we just play the minute? Oh, that's something we can do that'd be better than whatever the fuck's going on right now. Hit it up. Boop. And a good day to you, sir. Uh, sit down, please. Larry, sweetie, the man is here. Is he? Is he still right? Oh, no, no. He has health problems. Uh-huh. Uh, sir, I just want to say... Uh, that we're both, on a personal level, really enormous fans. Branded, especially the early episodes, was truly a source of inspiration. Sweetie, sit down. Uh, this man is the police. Oh, no, ma'am. We didn't want to give the impression that we were police exactly. We're hoping it won't be necessary to call the police. But that's up to little Larry here. Isn't it, Larry? And a good day to you, sir. I do say that a lot. I have to admit. It's a great line. It's a great, great line. Top 26 lines in the movie, I'd say. I mean, the line... John Goodman in this scene is just so sublime. His infatu... Like, so much happens here, right? His infatuation with... Arthur Digby Sellers. Well, you got to rewind. It's it's his like cocksuredness getting out of the car and like slamming the door shut. Like I got this situation handled. You know. I mean, I guess that's not in this minute, but like that's right. It, it builds up into it, but he yeah. knows he's about to meet like I guess somebody who in the moment is a hero or an icon, but it's one of these. Okay, you never heard of him. You don't really know who he is, but now you're really infatuated with him. He's got a little man crush on Arthur Digby Sellers just because he wrote a television show. Yeah. He feels like he's in the presence of celebrity. Well, I feel like... So I think a couple things are happening here. So he's, for starters, getting to do two things that he's very excited about. One, he gets to brace a 15-year-old kid. 
Yeah, it's awesome. Two, he is in, gets to meet Arthur Digby Sellers. But I think the fact that these are also happening together are feeding off each other in the oh, sense wow. that he is almost, he gets to like show off. It's like matter and antimatter, like coming together and destroying themselves over and over again. Sure, I'll go with that. All right. I mean, it's not totally out of bounds. They they release energy, but, you know, it's like yeah. the event well, horizon. Definitely releasing energy. He's releasing energy, Walter. I know I saw Interstellar recently, but I just, it's the event horizon. It, here's one way to observe a black hole, which is unobservable, is once in a while, you know, a particle of matter and antimatter come together and they do a little dance right around the horizon and they come together right on the cusp of the antimatter and they annihilate each other. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's just on one side or the other and a little particle of either matter or antimatter goes flitting off and you can observe that. So there is a way to observe a black hole. So, okay. I'm not, is maybe Arthur Digby Sellers the black hole in this uh, analogy? And Walter's... I think Walter's... Uh, explosion is actually illuminating him. I think that Walter's... Or at least allowing us to perceive him. Conflicted goals are the black hole. Number See, one... I don't think the goals are in conflict at all. I think they're in harmony. But they're not... How can they be? Number one is like, ingratiate yourself to what he perceives to be a celebrity. Like, let's be cool with this celebrity. Like, play cool, play it cool. All right, everything's cool. I'm down. I'm with it. Taka, taka, taka. But then little Larry comes out, and it's like, okay, now I got to be badass. Like, put the smack down on this kid. So that's the conflict there. Well, I think being um, badass is is, in his mind at least, He's like showing off. He's peacocking it for Arthur Digby Sellers. Well, of course he is. AD, but ADS. So it's not in conflict at all. It's like perfect. Walter gets a chance. So this guy wrote Branded, right? A show that deeply affected Walter, supposedly. I mean, we can get into whether that's true or not. I don't so think getting, we have you to. think it's not true. It's not true at all. I don't know if I have a hard... I'm on the fence about it. Come on. I can see it both ways, but this is Walter. So again, I think there's also, there's something about the way, maybe it's just Walter's character. Maybe it's just a leap I'm taking. I'm going to say there's something kind of inherently. So Walter, you know, kind of has this hyper, I'm going to say hyper masculinity. I don't know if that's fair I or not. No, I can see that. I mean, he's not like in the village people hyper-masculine like that, but he's... We might be thinking about different ideas of hyper-masculinity. <laughs> right. But I mean, no. But, well, I'm thinking, I think we're thinking of the same idea, but I'm just thinking, I usually think... I don't think her. that we are. All right. Perhaps not. Well, but he is very... Um, he's more John Milius and Sylvester Stallone Rambo hyper-masculinity. Yes. No, Exactly. So, as opposed to like a caricature, well, I guess they're both caricatures, they're just different caricatures of hyper masculinity. But he's like somebody who might actually shoot you in the face, hyper masculinity. 
instead of just like parading around like he doesn't he might actually shoot Smokey in the face. You know, he is actually hyper masculine. He's probably got a glandular problem, like too much testosterone or something or PTSD. Right. Or too little testosterone. And he's trying to uh, compensate, compensate. Possibly. I, I think that's a, all right. That happens a lot too, especially a man that size. Well, he what, probably has testosterone deficit, I'm going to guess. Well, wouldn't it be the small men who have the testosterone deficit, like the Napoleon complex? No, because, well, you might have a Napoleon complex for being small, but... They're unrelated? As you get bigger, like, your body has to produce a proportional amount of testosterone, right? So if you're getting large, I don't just mean large as in you're proportionally bigger, but let's say large as in you're becoming overweight, like, you're having in essence the same amount of testosterone which but now it's distributed over a wider so it's diluted in essence well wouldn't that make you okay i don't want to i gotta be careful like here but wouldn't that make you more sensitive per- like more estrogen then like your estrogen to testosterone ratio would be out of whack and you'd be more sensitive and Something? No, I don't no? think so. I mean, because it's what it's am I? Same, some sort of asshole here? Testosterone would be in the same proportion. It's just less. It's just less of everything. Less of everything. Well, then it wouldn't make a difference. Well, no, because it's not. I I don't think it's like you need estrogen. This is this is endocrinology with Brad and Adam. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is what. Oh. <laughs> God damn it. Why do we get it? <laughs> Fuck. I told you we shouldn't have done it. No, it's, it's, this is glorious. It's glorious. No, it's not. Endocrinology with... <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Now we know. Once we're done with all the minutes, what to do next. <laughs> this is Gutterballs, the Lebowski deep cast. A.K.A. Endocrinology with Brad and Adam. We insert needles into all of your gutters, balls. Oh, what about my underwear idea, though? That's a good idea. It's not a... I'll say this. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. It might be a mediocre idea, but it's not a bad idea. Let's not ruin it. No. All right, come on. What? So what? What? I don't understand this. I don't understand this. My only point is Walter is showing off for Arthur Digby Sellers. Okay. So it's it's in alignment. It's perfect. He is. Like he of doesn't just like to show up here. He gets to show up here and show off. And even though it's A D S's son, he thinks his son is you know, you're killing your father, Larry. His son is a total fuck up to the script. So he even probably thinks he's doing him a favor, and Arthur Digby Sellers is gonna shake his hand when this is all done. Because if that was physically possible. Because if ADS was right? mobile if he could move around, he'd probably be doing that same thing and like putting the smack down on his own son. But since he can't, Walter is filling in as a father figure to say, listen, you're fucking up here. Yeah. I don't know if the father figure might be taking it too far because I don't think in his yeah. mind it goes that far. It's just simply like someone needs to like teach this brat a lesson. Right, right. And I'm going to do it. This is what happens. Larry. And his dad yes. is going to thank me for that. I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, on some level, yeah. Yeah, all of that. All of that's great. That's, it seems perfect. But there's just something in how, like, 
like not self-deprecating, but what, what a self-effacing. What is it called? Like he's kowtowing to ADS when he first. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the first episode, especially the first episodes, uh, we're just both. Uh, he's just like can't even get around himself. He can't even speak. And then right. Larry well, comes in, and it's like, okay, all right, fuck you, kid. And you're saying those are like intimately intertwined. Those, in those two emotions. Walter's mind, yes. I mean, granted, there isn't. So it may seem to be somewhat schizophrenic, but I, I think in reality it's not. Because again, Walter <laughs> lives in a very black and white and very hierarchical world. Well, that is true. So, and in Walter's world, we're seeing ADS, Arthur Digby Sellers, is actually superior to Walter, and Walter readily accepts that. I don't know if we see him act that way to anyone in the entire movie. I'm trying to think. Like, this is the one time, right, to show Walter. That's fucking interesting, man. That's fucking interesting, man. I mean, I can think of one possible exception. Uh, Not really. No, it's not an exception. I won't put it in there. I was going to say at the very end with the dude, but... No, that's just... Uh, that, nah. That's actually all the hierarchy falling him away and him realizing his right. actual humanity. Right. right. Both There's of a, them. Exactly. There's actual humanity there. Yeah. It's like, let's have a moment of compassion, for God's sakes, for another human being. Right. Put away this uh, strict hierarchical structure of human organization that, that I've imposed on the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, he's black and white. He's got rules. There are fucking rules. It's not nom. But, like, once in a while, love and compassion trump the rules, and you put them away. But you're saying this is not a situation where that is happening. Well. These are the rules in full force, and he's subservient. Yes. He completely, yes, he completely. Even, um, Even when he's berating little larry and even beyond this minute i don't want to have any spoilers but you know what happens after this like he's seeing himself in a subservient role to ads arthur digby i think so i mean walter goes so unhinged that he might lose sight of it completely but i think there's a hierarchy which is arthur digby sellers then walter and then little larry Where's the dude fit into that hierarchy? I was thinking that while I was saying it. I'm going to say... Because the the dude dude is pissed, royally pissed off in this scene. Royally irritated. He's like trying to keep his mouth shut because Walter's got the homework in the plastic baggie. Well, that's next minute. Even coming in. Even coming in. You can see him. You can see him. He's like, okay, 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 okay. Where's my million dollars? Million dollars. Well, yeah. nine sixty, nine seventy, depending on the options. Where's my, where's my money? Right. Well, he's already in a bad mood because he's like, oh, he already spent the money, right? When he sees the car. Well, and he just had that to put up with a, uh, you know, landlord Marty's cycle too. So. Well, he seemed to like that. I, I mean, again, the dude, far from a chill guy, is a very high strung type type of guy, right? All it took is was that seeing that that vet outside, and now he's on edge. Making a lot of assumptions. Like, this is it. I knew it. It's all (laughs) fucked and wrong. Why does... Here's my problem. And I don't want to step on too many people's toes. But there's a a pretty, like, well-established culture 
surrounding this movie, and in particular the dude that focuses on his, you know, zen-like attitude. And I know we've gone over this, but I don't care. I really need to, because the more I research, the more we get into this, I see it everywhere. The dude's like chill, laid-back, zen-like attitude, and I just don't fucking see it. So how is that a subculture that has like sprouted up around the character of the dude when he is anything but chill and zen like just do, do you have any anything to say to me about that cuz no he's not he's fucking well, worked up all the time uh, i mean yeah i tend i well i mean i agree that's the premise we've been uh exploring through all these past 71 episodes so i do uh, think there are times when the dude is definitely zen and chill Um, give me an example well okay actually some of the so one when he makes the wisecracks while he's getting like manhandled and threatened okay your least favorite parts of the movie my least favorite parts all right um but i would say there are there are definitely other times when faced with the insanity around him, he he does kind of just take it in, like the stuff with Maud. Um, What's is, with this guy? Who is he? Yeah. Come on. Okay. No, I take it back. Yeah. He's kind of I mean, worked I, up I, all the time. I think the fact that he... Even the wisecracking, Brad. Even the wisecracking is like, you can't just accept people. You got to kind of give him the business verbally a little bit. He is not chill. Come on, there's a beverage. Well, if the beverage must go to the ground, the beverage must go to the ground. There will be another beverage in your future. You know, don't get so worked up about one beverage. I don't know. I think this whole the dude is chill thing is bullshit. I think maybe part of it, what people respond to is the fact that he is able to live in squalor yet still enjoy his life. Well, that's like, he, like, you know, he has his weed, he has his white Russians, he has his bowling. That's all he needs. And there's a certain simplicity to that. Granted in the course of this movie, th- this is majorly disrupted by this little kidnapping plot and the million dollars goes missing and his rug gets peed on and everything else. And his white Russian gets drugged. Right. But he is kind of presented along with that, you know, on the edges of the story as a kind of guy that I I think some people might just, uh, you know, you know, I think there's definitely a fantasy about uh, kind of like forgoing all responsibilities or human social obligations. See, I'll get behind you on that. I'll get behind you on that. Number one, it is fantastical because... You can't really do that so much and live past 40, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, foregoing all responsibility? Well, you know, that's the reason that dude's getting so fucking worked up all the time, is these responsibilities that he's taking on are causing him more and more stress. Right. Well, if he just, you know, accepted the pee stains on his rug, he wouldn't have this issue. But he didn't. So why is he the, you know, 
up on the pedestal? Why is he the shining, the shining golden god of right chilling well, out? Like we've said before, I mean, Walter in some ways is actually the even <laughs> though he explodes from time to time. He's his consistent. outlook on life. I yeah, I don't know. His, his incredible optimism, right? <laughs> Walter's <laughs> incredible op. Okay, I'm typing it down. Walter's incredible well, no, isn't that opti- his optimism. Like Walter, I don't care if it is or, or not. It's, but it's Walter's seeing things with his shooter glasses, incredible. right? Like it's like having rose-colored glasses or something. He's which are in fact yellow. You know, like they. He has his plan about. Uh, you know, throwing the ringer and doubling back and it doesn't work. He's like, oh, just go bowling. Yeah, fuck it. And dude's like, what are we going to do? And he's like, oh, what, what exactly is the problem? You know, even here, um, you know, he after this whole deal with Larry, little Larry, he's talking to dude on the phone in the next scene. And he's, well, and you're, you, like, you no, did watch a lot. Crack, you did right? watch a lot more, didn't you? Yeah, a little, about five minutes. Damn it, man. Not quite. It's not minutes. fair. I think I went to like one fifteen. Well, remember, like a while ago, we we went like twenty minutes ahead. Well, I know, but that was a, okay. I know, I know. All right, no big I deal. I just couldn't help it. Actually, no, I went pretty. F- yeah, no, just about that five minutes. But that takes you pretty far. It takes you all the way into Jackie Treehorn's house. So, yeah, we we well. I, I remember that little loop I got into, and I think we got into it at the same time. But I was going to the chief of police of Malibu at that time. It was just hard to stop watching because, man, they keep rolling. They keep rolling with it. But I think right at the beginning of this minute, when we enter ADS's living room, is that a fucking... And it's right at 70 minutes. Is that an ashtray on the coffee table filled with cigarette butts? That is not what that is. What is it? What, what is. is it? Tell I'll me. I'll what I believe it is. So I'll say a couple things. Okay. First, to preface this. This reminds me a lot of my grandfather's house. You know what? I never would have thought that, but all of a sudden it makes a lot of sense. Like, it look, like there's a lot of elements here. Please tell me plastic on the furniture. There was not plastic furniture, though. But God damn it! There was um, a lamp, like that lamp in front of the front window with the little, like, table yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. lamp mm-hmm. that has a built-in table. The way the windows have the, what looks like there's some kind of, like, plastic shutters or something. Hmm. I don't know I if they're know plastic. plastic. Or I think they're, like, plastic. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't at all. Are you looking at it now? So, so, and it wasn't all of the windows, just a couple windows in front in my grandfather's house had oh. like these shutters oh. that were made of like a translucent material. Oh, I see this now. I don't know why. And You're I talking about really the front window with the lamp right now. there, right? Yeah. And I don't know oh. why they had them or what the purpose was. Like you could open them or close. I don't know what the purpose, I guess shutters are there to protect your window. So are they here? To protect the window, yet also... Are they bulletproof? Let the light in. What, what, was your grandfather in the mafia? I don't think so. Hmm. And again, it was only like a couple windows. A couple like skinny windows. Like on the, it was like the windows on the side of like the, op- the picture Did he own a up front. concrete company? 
He did own a gas station. All right, not quite the same, but okay. We we can work with that. Um, but, I don't know about this. But there's a lot of things in there. And the same thing with the, the walls. Do you think this could be like a f- f- filming thing? Like, um, I don't know, just masking the things outside. So, you know, because maybe like there's a circus 10 feet from the whatever. And you got to like put the shit on there so you don't see what's outside or something. It's like a filming maybe. thing. Could be. But you, I mean, you, you I have firsthand no, experience with this, though. Because I've had, I mean, it's hard to say without well, seeing it. Why do you think that your grandfather had these on his windows? I don't know. I never really thought about it. And again, it was only two Well, think windows. about it now. I implore you. I, I, I can't imagine. I just feel like it was probably something that was in the style of like the 1950s or 60s or something. Do you think that he was possibly, now just hear me out, protecting himself from some sort of um, like watery jungle creature that might have been... Tracking him down. Like an aquatic monkey. <gasps> I didn't say that. Well, you know, it could have been. It could be. I mean, maybe this was all preordained. Maybe there was a reason that aquatic monkey boy was out there that night. Maybe you weren't tracking him. Maybe he was tracking you, Brad. He, he got that whole uh, circus car get up because he knew we would, could not resist following him. How could you? I think the world's a lot bigger place than you give it credit for. I would agree. I would agree. If you look at the doorway, the the dude and Walter walk in, like on the inside of the house, there's kind of like this rounded corner passageway. Mm -hmm. I know it. It's a narthex, as we discussed. Yeah, but the the, the entranceway, the the door, right? I see it. It's not just like perfectly square. Nope. The angle, it's not 90 degrees angle, it's this rounded corner. That was like in my grandfather's house, it had that same thing. That kind of rounded corner, as you went from one room to another, it was round like that. Um, so all this is leading up to that ashtray, quote unquote ashtray, which is Tell me about the ashtray, My Come grandfather on. had that same thing in his house. Is it peanuts? With this, it's, um, it's nuts. I'm not going to say peanuts. In my grandfather's case, I mean, these look like they might be peanuts. In my grandfather's case. Kind of like case, walnuts. They were walnuts. Yeah, pecans. There was a tray like that with walnuts yeah, yeah. and a little walnut cracker thing. It was just always there. No, I love that. You have to have that, especially around the holidays. Yeah, just it was just always there. So it's just like, all right, here we are, grandpa's house. Got to have some what nuts. What are we going to do? I guess I'll crack open some walnuts. Get the nutcracker. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, I am... I am so down with that shit. We do that even now. We got a nut tray. We got a nut tray out there. We have a nutcracker. And you eat your nuts. Yeah. We got nuts. So, so I'm going with that's a nut tray. It's just so uniform. You know, usually it's not like only walnuts, only pecans, only uh, other nuts. Macadamias. Uh, what's the weird one with the um? Uh, it's got like holes in the. Maybe that's the almond. I don't know. Anyway, there's usually a variety. I don't feel like this tray has a lot of variety. This is more like a um. 
I don't know. I don't like the shapes. I don't like the shapes, Brad. I mean, I agree. A tray of peanuts. Philosophically, I agree with everything you're saying, but when I look at it, I don't like the shapes, and it almost looks like um, Cheetos, for God's sakes. But not even Cheetos. They're too dingy for Cheetos. Well, they're definitely not cigarette butts, because I don't think the shape... I think the shape is no, closer to nuts than cigarettes. You're right. You're right. You're right about that, but it's more like... Like... Mini breadsticks. Yeah, well, what know. what kind of nuts are those? There's, Name one nut that looks pretty, like that. They're pretty indistinct. You gotta be shitting me. I can see them clearly. I don't see any nuts like that in my nut tray when I have it out there. What is that? Yeah, macaroons? Come on. Is that even a nut? A macaroon? Or is that a cookie? I don't know. And you know that you never get a good, better look at it either. No, that's all you got right there. Just before the dude passes in front of it. I don't know. I don't like that as a nut tray. I agree with it, like I said. Intellectually. Intellectually and philosophically, it. yes. That should be a nut tray, but looking at it, what it did they doesn't... actually put in there? It's not cigarette butts. You're right about that. But it's also not like an assorted nut tray or even like one kind of nut tray because they're all curved. They're a little curvy. Come on. Is that? And then who was drinking the tea? There's a tea. There's a cup of tea or a coffee there on a coaster. Who was sitting there? Was that Pilar? Pilar. Must have been Pilar. Is the thing in the background by ADS's thing? It's on the right. It's got like old timey wheels. It's made out of wood. You know, it's screen yeah. right. Is that something from the brand it set? It looks very old timey. And there's also a hookah. I guess it's hard to say. On I, the I bottom feel like of it. Old timey thing is. I think that's. It's kind of like faux old timey. Again, to me, that looks more like something from the 50s or 60s. Okay. Okay. What about screen left with the globe? Is it on a telephone book? Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with that globe. I is, can't answer that question for you. Is there a Duraflame um, out just outside the fireplace? I, I think you're right about that. And also, how about this? So the fireplace, most likely, the carpet is cut out with the bricks. Yes. You know, so the fireplace would be centered on the brick area, but the Duraflame with the little log holder is all the way over against the carpet. Right. Well, which is a little log weird. Holder. It's not the fireplace. You take the logs out of the log right. holder and throw right. it in. It is not in the fireplace. But it's there as if it's... Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It seems a little weird. It seems a little weird. But all right. I'll, I'll give you that. So it could theoretically be... It just seems like that's too much space. It would already be overlapping the fireplace opening, and you wouldn't really do it that way. You would you would put it the other way, even. You know, you would rotate it 90 degrees. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. All right, but that's fine. I'll go. Okay. Okay. It's fine. Now, have you ever been in a home that had all of their furniture wrapped in plastic wrap? Mm-hmm. Oh, 
I mean, the idea is familiar to me, and I'm not sure why. Mad Men, maybe. I don't. I've never watched that. Oh, really? Really? It's a oh. it's a big missing piece of my cultural heritage. That's all right. It's good. You should watch it, but I don't think like you're some sort of outcast if you don't. But it's good. It's you know it's enjoyable. Did you look at these still frames that I put in the document? I I, I did. Um, please talk to me about that. So the, you're you're talking about? Um, are you, are you referencing the artwork on the walls? I'm referencing everything. <laughs> I mean, they walk into this place. The first time we see them walk in through the door, and you mentioned the rounded... Right. Right? The rounded um, entryway, narthex, vestibule, whatever. And there's a little piece of artwork there. Sure. Oh, I see what you're going to say. We did see a little door there. Okay. Okay. I, I misplaced the first still frame. But when you look at that door that's directly behind them in the first shot, we see it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. dark, and then it's completely lit up, and the door is way open. Well, it's not the same door, though. D- disregard those still frames I gave you. Okay. They're wrong. They're wrong. You just wrong have still frames. Wrong gotcha. still frames. It's the same door. We see it at um, um, seventy sixteen. And seventy twenty-two. Okay. Okay. Um Initially I thought it was the um opening and then there was a door. But no. You can actually see the same door behind them and there's a light on in the room. It it is open a little more wider. And there's a light on later. The second time you see it, there's a light on there. Do you see yeah. this? Mm-hmm. Well, Larry's back there. He's kind of well, like he's opening not. the door a little bit, peering out, scampering about, wondering what's I going on. I don't know. I mean, this, in reality, that's not what's happening. It's just a continuity error. But that's how you pass it off. I'm just going to pretend in my mind now for the sake of. No, because he comes fun. from screen right. I like to think of Walt. Well, he comes from upstairs. No, he comes from out there. God damn it. Yeah, he does come from back there. You can see him, and that's one of the things I noticed. Okay, so, yeah, so is, he's, um, that's fine. You he's can... kind of introduced back there, kind of peering out the door a little bit first. I had it in like my mind slowly. that he was coming from upstairs, weirdly, even though here we are, and that's obviously not true. Well, there is no upstairs that we know right. of. right, right. I mean, granted, maybe you go through that doorway and there's a stairwell, but Uh-oh. we just don't know. The one thing I've um, noticed, so Larry comes through the, the door, and I never really noticed cause I, how he really gives Walter. He really comes out of there with a really big uh, D-bag face. He does. Looking at Walter sideways. Well, like, maybe- he's a, like he's a tough guy. Do you think like, Walter talked to him? No, the, I don't think like so. On the phone? I think I think it's just uh, little Larry's personality. You know, I do think he is kind of a uh, you know, I think Larry is kind of a well, I don't know. A, An unproductive well, member of society. Dunce, that's not right. But yeah, he's not I mean, he is the type of kid that might be, a, you know, a little out of control. He would care more for himself shit. 
than would, other would people. Would steal the dude's car and smash it into an abutment. I agree. But I never really noticed Larry looking like that. Because I think I've always been paying attention to the so closely to Walter look. during that scene. Like, because the rest of the scene, Larry doesn't necessarily, he, Larry just has a complete blank expression. It's almost like he's like, doesn't even know what's happening. I mean, which I think works really well for the scene, because if he was looking like a, like a, like kind of an arrogant kid, it would, it would kind of change the meaning. It's just more like, he's just kind of there, like, huh? Blankly, like, uh, what? Did you ever just watch the dude in this scene? Oh, I have. I have now. He's just so impatient with everything that's going on. He just wants to, like, he wants to do more than Walter's doing. He wants to be like, come on, you little shit. Give me my money. Give me my briefcase. Right. Now, we'll we'll get to that in the next minute, too. How he, yeah, how he's, the dude starts to threaten the kid. But you really have to wonder, you know, you can't get away with that nowadays. No. Early 90s, two men could, you know, come into a house and, Threaten a 15-year-old kid. 15-year-old kid. Threaten him with castration. Or fucking in the ass. You know? This is what happens. You ready for this? Give us our money. Yeah. It was all cool back in 1991. Right. In the wild town of L.A. (laughs) But, uh... Here's the thing. The dude... And this was in the IMDb trivia things and i don't think we ever addressed this well not the dude walter is like and who's got a million bucks in the trunk of our car or whatever and then when the dude sees his car at the impound with the cop leads that guy he doesn't look in the trunk he looks in the back seat so there's a little who gives a shit continuity error but well yeah i'd have to look back i mean is it that he looks in the back seat, or is it that the um, the officer says like, "Oh, no briefcase." The dude scrambles up to the car window and is like, "Ah, oh, shit, my briefcase!" Looking in the back seat. Oh yeah, I saw that. Saw that on the report. Sorry. Still have the credence though. Right. Right. I have just so very. I'm really looking forward to making this episode go night-night, but I have um, one more. I want to point out a visual note here. Two visual notes, actually. It's at 7016. I don't know if you care, but there's a match on action. So a match on action is when, I know you know this, but it's for the benefit of our gotcha. listener. Well, it's like, you know, you, you we need a straight man and a... Yeah, yeah. Whatever. So yeah, what was wasn't what what's a match on action, Adam? Well let me tell you, Brad, it's when there's a lot of different ways you can use a match on action, but it's a way to cover a cut. And it could be a cut from one angle to another angle, or it could be a cut from a wide shot to a close up. And what you do is you find an interesting action in the scene and you cut on the action, but you let two-thirds of the action play out, and then you cut from your one angle to the other angle, or your close-up to your wide shot, at the two-thirds mark, so that the last third of the action, and I'm using air quotes now, 
plays out on the second angle or um, focal length. And in this scene, the match on action is when little Larry enters the frame. The dude turns his head, looks around. Oh, there's little Larry. Nope, that's not it. God damn it. Where is it? I was doing oh, such a great scene. He looks behind him. He yeah, looks yeah, yeah. Door. It was just before that. I'm sorry. I was doing so good there. I was so patronizing to everybody. And then it didn't work out. Yeah, it's when he sits down. It's at 16, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sits down. Dude turns around, looks at the camera, and then we reverse angles 180 degrees, and the dude is facing away from us and turns back around. Nice. Nice. See, it's not all doom and gloom with you. No, it's a nice... I like some, that. So when there's, when there's a, oh, I love it. Something matches. I fucking love it. It's such a great maneuver there. And I don't think this is the right time, but Pilar's framing. So it's close enough, but all right. So the dude and Walter enter. You got this nice match on action where we're looking in towards the iron lung. The dude and Walter sit down. We're seeing their backs. The dude turns towards us and then the camera flips. Boom. Over towards the iron lung facing towards the faces of the dude and Walter and the dude is you know facing away from us and then he turns back and that's a nice way to cover that which otherwise would be a pretty jarring cut visually but you're just like on the line because there's a line you can't just like go blam 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 without some sort of cover so they do that and then we have another one of these little framing anomalies where the dude and Walter sit down on the couch. Pilar sort of walks into the frame, but she's not sitting down. She's kind of on the side. And we have the dude's, you know, latter half of his match on action. So now the dude and Walter are both facing forward towards the camera. And we have, it's almost like a nice rule of thirds thing here where there's a little area in the center and the door frame is right there and it kind of comes across, it comes right down, kind of splits the difference between them. It's right at uh, 7017. So that's like, not quite, it's just off the center of the frame, but it's between the Walter and the dude. And then... When you cut to Pilar, she's pretty much right on that. But if you just look at Pilar's close-up, if you just had to say, I'm going to frame up this woman and have her deliver a line, you know, screen left to screen right, looking towards screen right, you would never frame it up this way. So my point is that, like, the previous shot influences the next shot, which influences the next shot. You have to take into account like what people are looking at in the previous frame and what are they looking at are they looking at walter are they looking at the dude well they're looking at them both they're going back and forth so you better goddamn well put pilar right between them so it's not jarring Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so you're not like de-emphasizing either of 
the dude or Walter's character, or right. Pilar for that matter. Or it doesn't look almost like Walter magically changes the Pilar. Right, right. Like you're staring right. into yeah. Walter's yeah, yeah, eyes, yeah. and they yep. suddenly change to Pilar's eyes. You right. have to make your eyes move over to her. Right, you gotta look a little bit. But you can't put her all the way on the left, because then she'll change into the dude. Right, exactly. But if you look at the... If you just pause on Pilar's reverse shot, like, who would ever frame it up like that? Yeah, it is weird. It's weird. It's weird. She's you looking. Put her on the left. If it was yeah, just a yeah, yeah. Right. It's just a shot. She's looking screen left to screen right over there. You would put her over on the left, but she's actually more to the right because that's where she had to be. It's it's just, I'm learning a lot, man. I am learning a lot. I really appreciate this endeavor that we're going through. I, sh- I feel like I should have known these things. What about police exactly? You wrote that there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's such a, that's a line that I love. <laughs> okay. How? Uh, <laughs> He's like, we're not, oh, we're not the police, exactly. Well, I I know you're big into slippery language. Yeah, exactly. That's a bit of slippery language right there. It's very slippery. I mean, again, Walter (laughs) being Walter, just his whole, it's just brilliant, right? It's a brilliant piece of wordplay, and it works with this character so well. You know, oh, no, ma'am, we didn't want to give the impression that we were police. Exactly. Because one, Walter's cognizant of like breaking laws about impersonating a police officer. But then he qualifies it a little bit. (laughs) But he's like, we're not the police exactly. Exactly. Okay. So he leaves some wiggle room there. It's the qualification that you find amusing. Yeah, it's like, it's it's such a ridiculous qualification, right? (laughs) Well, are you the police or not? We're not the police exactly. We're the police generally, but not exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I just think the whole thing with Walter, like, being blustery and then being, like, kowtowing to ADS and then being blustery again and trying to, like, actually work back up to blustery once little Larry entered the frame. I don't know. It's kind of an adorable thing. And I think you're right. I don't know if he's ever treated anybody like that so it took the writer of a show that was on 40 years prior or 30 years prior who didn't actually write that many episodes because there weren't that many episodes in the entire series right well that, he's not even a real person but and he's not a real but the show is a real show yeah, it's a weird mix of, like, fiction and truth in this. I mean, we talked about it last time. Right, and that's how you tell a nice lie. You tell your lie, but you sprinkle it with little truths so that it makes it more difficult for the person you're lying to to figure out what's true and what's false, Brad. You sprinkle it with truth. I mean, we talked about this ad nauseum last episode, mm-hmm. but... oh yeah. Branded is a real show, which I never had a clue about. Why? Because they sprinkled it with little lies. And it goes both ways. Sometimes it could work the other way. I don't know. If you want to tell a nice lie, Brad, 
Sprinkle it with some truths. Uh, throws them off the scent. Got it? Got it. Okay. Okay, then. Oh. <laughs> oh. You know what okay. that is. Come on. You know, the one thing I'll, I, I'm... I forget if we mentioned this. I know we talked about this, and I don't think I made one of the points I wanted to make was when Walter is getting all emotional, talking about how the show was truly a source of inspiration. Like, I I mean, yes, I've, I've always appreciated how Walter does get kind of verklempt during that. But when I listen to it audio only, which I did do this minute. Yeah. Because I just wanted to be prepared in case you didn't have a chance to do it. I didn't because uh, my grandmother might be moving down. So she's 87 mm-hmm. and uh, who cares? Okay. So I'm glad you did that. Well, again, I'm not an expert listener like you are. Well, you got to have better headphones. Well, I mean, I did hear. Don't granted, use your earbuds. I wasn't my earbuds. It's my over the ear headphones. But granted, they're not expensive or anything. <sighs> But, I mean, you know, granted, listening to something that way does, and it's not, not even with the headphones. You have to turn off the audio and just, the video, and just focus on the audio and hear every little tink. That's more important. Yeah, that's everything. more important than... Like, it. you don't hear that no. when you're watching it. No, you don't. You're distracted. Because your mind you're distracted. crosses it off. Yeah. Like, your mind is able to just say, oh, he put a glass down, it made a clink sound, like you're... Just like in real life, your mind can filter that out to focus on the dialogue. We are weirdly just... visual creatures. And when you take that away, the, the, the hearing becomes so much more finely tuned. It really does. It, it's what, you know, people who have a disability, whether it be visual or oral, it's what they say, like the other senses start to pick up the slack. I can only imagine what it's like if you actually become blind, like how attuned your hearing must become. Because like you just said, like, don't look at it and just listen. Don't you hear so much more? Yeah. And the thing that really hit me, though, was how choked up Walter gets there. Like, he really is like... hardcore. It's hardcore. He's like, you can't appreciate it. For whatever reason, I don't appreciate it as much with the visuals. Like, like he's truly like, uh, John Goodman is truly giving like a Oscar worthy emotional. Why? Well, yeah, I agree. But I would performance say performance in that little, you know, one second sliver of time i would say the reason it's difficult to appreciate that is because if you're watching it your eyes are like even just for microseconds like flitting over to the dude to see how he's doing mm-hmm. but 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 which the dude is delivering a great performance too but you know really walter is like killing this scene but it's not oscar bait no 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 the way walters is no right walter here. is like killing it here especially considering how incongruous it is with the rest of his performance throughout this movie yeah but it's just hard because once again you've just been introduced to the iron lung like five seconds before this pilar is there 
Larry Sellers is about to come out. The dude is pissed because he just lost nine hundred sixty to nine hundred seventy thousand dollars, depending on the options. So there's a lot going on, and you're just flicking all over the place. But if you just tune it all out and listen to the voices, just the sound. I'm glad you did that this episode, Brad, because I I didn't. I this just is a good experience. I uh, recommend everyone give that a try. It really enlightens enlightens a person well should we introduce our um okay first i haven't pissed off enough people let's piss off some more people all right fleetwood mac fans yeah can we piss them off just for a second Okay, here's the... No, I didn't tell you this. I mean, I teased it to you. You teased it to me. Right. Do you have any idea why Fleetwood Mac irritates me? I'm just going to say no. Just no? That's it? I mean, I was never a fan. Me either. Really? Me either. Me either. When they had, like, some big revival, whenever that was. Did they have a revival? Revival might be too strong a word. There was some time, I want to say it was... Was it in 1997? Maybe. Just because our friends were playing their music? No, no. They did, like, a special on MTV. Huh. And it was, like, super hyped up. I don't know. Okay, here's, here's, here's why I don't like. Here's why. Not that I don't like, even though I don't like them, but that's not what I'm talking about. Why they irritate me? It's because you have... Stevie Nicks, the woman, and Lindsay Buckingham, the man, and then they're all like, uh, uh, they're going, beep. And then you had Stevie, the woman, and then she got married to Kim. I just don't like all this, like, gender crossing that they're doing. It always irritated me because I could never remember who was the guitar player. And who was the hot blonde lead singer? Who was the hot blonde lead singer? Lindsay or Stevie? I never knew. Wait. I know that's stupid, but that's that's why they irritated me. And then and then yeah, Stevie got married to Kim. <laughs> that is that the the Kim thing kind of yeah, that takes That's it, the one that takes it over the top there. That takes it over a little the bit. top. And then oh my god. Stevie, that's the woman, that's the hot blonde. She married Kim, that's a man, which was her best friend's husband. But her best friend died of, like, cancer. And they had a child together. And she's like, the best thing I can do is marry her widower. And I think even recently... She was on Oprah or something. It's like I, I that seemed it seemed perfectly logical at the time, and now right. that seems crazy. I mean, I can understand how that seems logical at the time, but yeah, that's um, just all these gender hopping names. It's kind of like the Coens are genre hoppers. Fleetwood Mac were gender hoppers, and it always confused me. It just irritated me because I never knew who was who. Which one was it's the guitar player? The guy that... Okay. Uh, <laughs> Come on. Really Don't even say this. it. Don't even say it. But it wasn't with names, at least. Right. 
I mean, you're not necessarily, you know, trying to push some heteronormative agenda. No, I just was it's confused. Just simply, I was stupid and I didn't confusing. understand it. It was confusing to me. It's like it's like the uh, the SNL skit Pat. Yes. Yes, exactly. Oh, here's my friend Chris. Oh, th- is this your spouse? Yes, Terry. You know, that kind of I'm like but I did since I didn't really like them or follow them at all. I didn't like their music. Mm-hmm. I wasn't intimately familiar with the naming conventions of you're just afraid one day you're gonna say like yeah Lindsay, she's she's pretty hot well and, and it would be like oh adam i know i wouldn't and you know you're going to this uh you know uh small school that i'm sure provokes a very heteronormative worldview well it wasn't even then it was in college when this was happening even because i didn't really like I'd heard their music on WZZO in Allentown once in a while, but I didn't know any of the names of the band members. So it wasn't until college. And then it's like Stevie Nicks, Lindsay, but, and I'm like, I don't know who's who. And I'm going to fucking embarrass myself. I just didn't like that. So you're going to throw an entire band under the bus simply because you're too afraid. Well, and also I don't like their music that much. So, yeah, I don't really get into their music. No, they're kind of shitty. They're no sticks, man. No, definitely not. I'll be, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I mean, right, I'll, I'll we... throw their music up on the poop deck anytime. All right. Is that too soon? Is that no, too I'm soon? Good. That's good. You did it. It's good. Wait, what about a nickname for Brad? Junior I was Topopolis. I was sign off. I was going to say, this is Junior Topopolis signing off. <laughs> but you ended the episode too early. Well, go All right. No, well, you, you, end you end it. You end it. You end it. No, you end it now. All right. Well, do I have to end it like all fancy? Well, you used to do an Excelsior, but you're going to do true. something special now. That's true. Well, I'm just going to say, you know, this is for Adam and Junior Topopolis. <laughs> Excelsior. Poop deck Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs> Poop deck. I don't know. <laughs> I think we'll call that good and we'll find somewhere to end that. Next time on Gutterball. Is this your homework, Larry?